Welcome to episode number five of the Sobriety Blueprint Podcast. This is the men's guide to thriving in recovery and life. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. Whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, or you're watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Today, I'll be speaking with Brad Jensen, who's the owner and operator of Key Nutrition, which is a fitness and nutrition coaching company based in Draper, Utah. And he's going to be telling us a bit about his journey into recovery and how his sobriety contributed to building a seven-figure business. Thanks for joining me on the show, Brad. Hey, thanks for having me on, man. Always grateful to come on. And, uh, yeah, I, man. yeah, really, really glad to have you, man. I'm, I'm excited. And so I, I want to extract as much valuable business advice as possible for the listeners. But the main reason you're here on the show is because you are a guy in recovery. You have almost seven years clean and sober. So tell us a bit about your background and how you actually got sober. Yeah, I mean, I won't, I won't bore you with the whole war story. I, I, it's funny when I go on different fitness podcasts because I've been very open about who I am and what I suffer from. And uh, it was never intentional to try to like get other opportunities to go, but on different podcasts and share my story. But I give them a lot of context because they're always like floored. Right. By, you know, the incomprehensible <laughs> demoralization that happens. They're like, what? But I'll save you all that. You know, I, uh, you know, I mean, same story as everybody started messing around. And before I knew it was in deep and, uh, you know, used, uh, you know, majority choice is mainly heroin, uh, but I would do anything. I'm just a garden variety alcoholic, like didn't matter really. Uh, and so, you know, it got worse and worse, just like everybody, you know how it goes. Like, it just like, I feel like this podcast, like, I, I mean, if you want to go into like my backstory, I'm totally willing to, but I hit a point of, you know, living on the streets for a year and I never actually slept on the, uh, I never slept, I never like had to sleep in the streets, like literally because I was very resourceful. And I say that because uh, entrepreneurship, I, I started, re like I realized I could do hard shit and I could grind and shift and make moves. But, you know, the day came on uh, November 20th, November 19th, actually 2012. And uh, I've been strung out for about a year and, and, um, you know, I went to my grandfather's funeral that night, or I'm sorry, that day, and uh, was loaded up there and, you know, was sick, going, like, was dope sick in the morning and made my, my little religious mother stop at the dope dealer's house on the way up so I could get well. And, um, you know, just the insanity, man. And I just I hit that point. And I had tried so many times before to get sober um tried to very relative term I had gone to rehab or done this or done that but I was pulled over later that night going on a drug run and was in a stolen vehicle and I uh, was taken to jail and I was never I had been to jail about 17 times prior to that I was so grateful to go to jail that day because I it was it is November 19th in Utah it's fucking cold can I swear on this podcast oh yeah okay it's yeah. fucking cold man like cold it was cold, dude. And like, I had a little like, you know, scumbag hotel room I was staying in, but man, I was beat up. Like it was, it was, uh, it was a year of just demoralization because my story prior to that is I would, I would go on these runs for three or four months to struck my life. Then something would step in. Usually my parents would send me to rehab, to detox, even, even the law, but I had terminated all my charges and it just kept going and going and going. And, uh, man, so uh, you know, that's, I don't know how deep you want to go into that, but that's, 
you know, I got pulled over the night. I did a short 30 days in jail because uh, the kid stole the car from his mother. Luckily, she dropped the charges. I was released, and I was released with nowhere to go. And uh, I made a post about this on my Instagram. You know, what? they have this big ramp at the county jail here. And I walked down. And instead of going right, so to speak, I went left. And instead of calling one of my junkie friends or the dealer to come pick me up, um, I went to a payphone and I called my mother and she said, you're not coming here. I don't trust you, but I'll take you to a meeting. So she took a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous and uh, dropped me off. And that's where, dude, I mean, and then here we are today. Some the post was framed that, you know, one decision could change the whole trajectory of your whole life. Like I never in a million years thought I'd be sitting here where I'm at today speaking with you. And it's because I went left, not right. Like I just made that one decision to give it a fucking shot. So, man, that dude, I love that. That see, and I didn't know this having you on the podcast, but you know that's a lot like my story. I mean, literally, I was going to uh, the pawn shop one more time, and I locked my fucking keys in my car, and that's how I I ended up in treatment, and that's how I ended up you know being willing enough to really give this thing a shot. So, man, that's that's absolutely awesome. And what you just touched on right there. I really love, man. It's just this, it wasn't all me, right? It wasn't all me that, that got me to this life that I have today. You know, that's just the truth. A hundred percent, bro. I can relate so much. Like I, when I went to my grandfather's funeral, I remember everyone was looking at me. I was 40 pounds underweight. I was the only motherfucker not dressed up because I didn't own any fucking clothes, you know? And you know, had, had a needle in my pocket and everyone's looking at me like, what's the matter with him? You know, jet black hair, 40 pounds underweight. I, I just looked like a junkie. And I thought, man, I, this has got to stop. But that night getting, like, I kept saying that. And I'd been saying that for the month prior, but nothing was changing. And it, it was, it was God intervened, man. I met up with some kid I didn't know. And he was like, Hey, can you drive? I'm too loaded. I can't stay awake. I'm like, wow. sure thing, man. And then I get pulled over. And he's like, oh, by the way, the car's stolen. Oh, my God. In that moment, yeah. there's this clarity of like, God, okay, this is what I've been, this is what I've been praying for. Yeah, I, absolutely, man. Yeah, no, I, and the, the situation that I just explained to you, like how I ended up in treatment for the first time, it, it was, it was this moment of like, fuck, but at the same time, like, thank God. Like, I'm just, I'm exhausted. Like, something needs to change. And much like you, like there were, there were consequences, but nothing to the point of making me really want to stop. Right. It was never, it was never bad enough or it never just, it, it never hit that wall. They were always, cause a lot like you, like, man, I was resourceful. Like I would always find a way to kind of like worm or, or manipulate my way out of it. And, uh, and that can be, that can make things a lot worse. Um, I actually heard a guy in a meeting one say, uh, one time say that he wished that all of his sponsees uh, would wake up stupid and ugly because then maybe they would like get this thing sooner, you know? <laughs> Isn't that the truth, man? I like that. I've actually, <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Well, so one of the things that, that you wanted to touch on a little bit, and, and I can appreciate that it's this, it's funny. I've actually had this conversation quite a few times lately is, you know, 
pretty much all of us, and I'm sure all the guys listening have heard the suggestion about not dating in your first year of sobriety. Uh, we, we've heard that a million times, and some guys listen to it, some guys don't. What, what are your thoughts, Sarah? What has been your experience with that? Well, I don't know what camp you're, and listen, I get the whole fundamental thesis behind it. Like, I get why, um, but like, I was like, fuck, that. I was that dude that was like, fuck that, I can't find that in the big book. Like, I can't find that in the 12, like, where does it tell me not to do that? So I subsequently got in two relationships my first year, not at the same time, but like, you know, met the one in an A meeting and that like didn't work out too well. And then quickly after that, got my first, I think it was six months sober, I got into like a serious relationship that lasted a year. And I stayed sober. Now I understand, I've watched with sponsees why they don't. And I guess, you know, I, it's funny because I hear this blanket suggestion thrown around and I've sponsored a lot of guys and I don't give all of them that suggestion. The ones that have severe relationship issues, which we all do, but there's some guys where I'm like, dude, you've been a hermit for four years, like hiding in a basement, shooting dope or drinking alcohol, like go on some dates with girls, have fun, like enjoy yourself. And then there's ones that have been in super sick codependent relationships that I give different advice to. Um, I brought that up in your, in your questionnaire thing, because I think it's a topic that I think there's certain things that are thrown around in 12 step rooms that like I can find them in the big book. They apply to everybody. They make sense. Or, you know, you find it DNA text, whatever fellowship you're in. But there's some things where I'm like, that's merely like a suggestion I think works for some people. And I'm definitely with my sponsees. It depends on the individual. But um, I just think, man, if you want to fucking stay sober above anything else, like, and I was so current with my sponsor that when this girl started fucking with my head and she wasn't doing it, I was fucking with my own head. I would call him and I'd talk to him about it. And he helped me grow up in a relationship and learn how to not be a fucking codependent, needy motherfucker. And I learned so much, but I was also so integrated in recovery. And I had a, a, a swarm of people and I was current with them and I was honest. And so my whole message on that is like, if you want to stay sober and you're willing to do what it takes, you can fucking get in three relationships. I don't care. You'll stay sober. But if you're a little bit on the fence or there's even certain things you're not willing to do, if you start dating, it'll probably twist it sideways. Yeah, no. Okay, see, and actually, man, like, this is a really good point. I, I think it does depend on the individual, right? I, I would say that most of the guys I've sponsored, like, I would suggest to them, you probably shouldn't get in, in a relationship. But it's because, like, you've touched on, like, these guys have had clearly have some issues there that they need to work through. But I think the main thing is, is that the, the real issue that comes up for most guys is that they start to make this chick their higher power. Yeah. Right. That that's the real issue. It's not that you're dating. It's not that you're getting in a, in a relationship, but it, it's funny, man, because just the other day, like I heard a guy sharing about this in a meeting and he was talking about how he's now been married to this woman for 15 years that he, that he met, uh, you know, 10 months sober or something like that. And then I was also having this conversation. Uh, one of the guys that I had on the show recently, he does the marketing for, uh, you've probably seen on Instagram, the Castle app, clean and sober love dating app for, uh, for sober people in recovery. And, and so we, we were kind of talking about that, you know, and one of the points he made is he's, he's like, look, you know, cause that this, this whole topic came up. He was just like, look, like, People, most people are probably going to continue to date 
in in sobriety or or early in sobriety so at least this way they can meet someone else in the program but i don't know if that's a good thing or not because one of the things that that's stuck in my head about dating and sobriety uh is the odds are good but the goods are odd <laughs> no i like that yeah you know, so so she may not be the one <laughs> just because she's in the program yeah <laughs> In fact, like, I'm so glad the girl uh, that, you know, I'm lucky enough to be married to is a very sane normie. And to be honest, after that girl that, like, I date, I mean, dated's a very relative term. Like, we hung out and, you know, did whatever for, I think it was, I met her at, like, 60 days. She had 60 days. Like, quickly, I actually, my spot, my sponsor told me it was a horrible idea. And then, like, two months later, I called him. I'm like, you were right. It was a horrible idea. Yeah. Like, and luckily it didn't get too deep, but I actually made a vow to myself to never date anyone in the program again. Now, granted, like when you're comparing someone with six years to 60 days, it's probably a little difference in like emotional maturity. Sure, sure. But uh, since then, dude, I, I never, I never have dated another girl in the program. No, I don't think it's a bad idea, but um, yeah, I think that that, I, I think, you know, when I look at it and you're right, for most of my sponsees, that, that rule has not hold true. Like, I, I think, I mean, that has held true. I'm sorry that you shouldn't date because you're a broken motherfucker. And like, bottom line is really nine out of 10 of these guys have nothing to offer anyway. And so, you know, but there are those few cases where I'm like, no, I think actually I've had a couple of sponsors that I told like, go date, dude. Like you, I don't think you've had any action. Like, and then you get to like, but those are also the ones that are like, every time I give them a step, they're doing it. They're on it. They're current with me. And I get to help them like have the same experience I have, which was, wow, I'm really insecure that she hasn't texted back yet. My sponsor, I bugged him at nauseum that first year, you know, and, and I went through like a little uh, outpatient deal and I bugged my recovery coach there at nauseum. Like, dude, she didn't text me back and I know I'm acting crazy. I know my defects are coming out. Like, what should I do? And they would just laugh at me and be like, bro, like, this is good. You're communicating this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think so. Just to kind of wrap this, I mean, I think you said it, and I and I said part of it as well, but it's, if you're putting your recovery first, you're not making this chick your higher power, you said being honest and actually communicating and talking with, with other guys, your sponsor, whoever else you're, uh, you know, you're in touch with on a frequent basis, I think those are kind of the things, but, but I'm with you, I mean, I, I think that, you know, I, I was in a long-term relationship, you know, when, when I got sober, and man, I didn't know who I was. She didn't know who I was. So personally, I, I, I really can't imagine, you know, ha have uh, been, you know, getting in a relationship early on just because, man, like I, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I had to offer myself. Like, how am I going to offer someone else anything? But, you know, that's just me. And I think you're right that everyone's a, a little bit, a little bit different there. So, um, so, so good, good point on that. I mean, not all suggestions fit everyone right yeah but i mean i get the rule because i think it fits 80 percent of people but I, I think also being subjective with who you're working with and like yeah. how they're doing in the recovery you know and uh so yeah absolutely I, i'm with you on that so let's move on a little bit here I, I want you to tell me a little bit more about uh key nutrition um you know just like how many just give me an idea of, of what you guys are doing like how many clients are you currently working with and who would you say your ideal client is? Um, yeah, man. So, you know, a little backstory on key nutrition. So I had, you know, I had grown up in the fitness community. Um, 
that's what I did. I got certified as a personal trainer as a senior in high school. And um, I was also partying a ton, but that's also what led to my narcotics use was I knew that alcohol would fuck me up and I'd have a hangover and I couldn't do that because I had to train. So then I got, that's when I got into the pills and the somas and the oxycontins and, um, but you know, that's what I knew was fitness and that's what I did. And then my addiction took hold. I mean, I, I managed a gold's gym and, uh, you know, while like somehow like managing a, a heroin addiction, it's a great delusion. I thought I was, but apparently everyone else knew I was not, but I thought I was cause I still went to work and like mostly yeah. on time and, right. but you know, I was always in the, and I got into coaching at a different company and then lost that job when shit got really bad. When, you know, all of a sudden, like it just got worse, never better. It was so unmanageable. So when I got sober, I, uh, I, I was started waiting tables at this restaurant and I ran into my old boss and he, I told him kind of what had been going on with me and I was sober now and he gave me another shot. So I went there and in 2000, February of 2017, I started key nutrition and I started key nutrition because that man actually, uh, he had his own skeletons in the closet and his, his opiate addiction got worse and worse, but he was like a professional guy and like he, he was doctor shopping and the whole Long story short, man, I got really bad. People stopped getting paid. And so I started Key Nutrition and I'd always wanted to, but I always had a lot of fear about doing it. And I felt super loyal to this guy, even though I had tried to help him. I knew he was going downhill. And sadly enough, about uh, probably about a year ago, he actually passed away from this disease. So, wow. um, and, and I tell that because when I started Key Nutrition, I would have done it six months sooner, but I was paralyzed by fear the what ifs, what if I don't, what if, what if, what if, what if it doesn't work? What if it fails? Yeah. Like, what will people think? Like, right, right. You're making decent money now. Like you're a junkie, like be grateful that you're where you're at. And, but I, I just had this burnt, like that gut intuition that got like, it's just telling me like, you go start something like, this is what you want to do. So I was thrust in a position much like getting sober where it was just like, okay, I have a choice either like continue on this like sinking ship trying to climb uphill or start start key nutrition so i started and what we do is we do in person uh or virtual like this just like we're having a call right now on uh on zoom we do nutrition and fitness coaching so what we do we basically build out customized nutrition plans um macro plans whatever that is for the client teach them how to track macros uh we build out customized workouts and then we uh you know we we meet with them on a regular basis to check for accountability. And so um, it's everything nutrition coaching. It's a lot of, we believe that education drives compliance. We try to educate our clients on like what to do. And, and dude, I, I, I winged this business. I, and, you know, I said on the thing to you, you know, I get, I don't like to talk about the fact that like we're on track this year to generate just over seven figures. Um, because it's not about that for me, uh, on, and, and I usually don't try to talk about it on other podcasts, but sometimes I'll bring it up. It, it's, it's such a symbol of what recovery has done. Like it is all based off. I didn't know shit about a business. I knew nothing, but I knew how to hustle. I knew how to grind. Cause that's all I did on the streets, dude. I had to hustle and grind every day to get my fix. And so I knew, I knew about Shark Tank and Gary Vaynerchuk and then fucking how to grind on the streets. And I put yeah, those right. three together. Yeah. Yeah, man. I, I love that. So, and 
look, man, uh, what I really love that you just pointed out right there is I, I, I had that fear. I still have that fear. Sometimes there was a lot of that fear just in putting this podcast out and, and, you know, like the first episode, like, man, I told my story, you know, I put, I put my shit out there and I was just real about it. And it's like, man, what are, what are people going to think about this? Like, you know, and, and then business wise it is, it's, what are people going to think? Like, what if I fuck it up? And, and, you know, there's all this fear and it can paralyze us. And, but what I really love that you just said right there, and, and I, I wish that more and more guys in recovery could hear this is that you had a job, you were getting paid, you could have stayed there and been comfortable. And you said, fuck that. I want more for my life. I don't just want average. I want to do more. I want to create something awesome. I want to create something that I'm passionate about. And that's what you did. And you got out, out there. And man, that investment has paid off, has paid off big time. And I, I think the, the seven-figure part of it, man, I think that's why it is worth mentioning right here is because it is a testament of, uh, to what recovery is, uh, is about. And, um, you know, in my mind, it's kind of the same idea as like, me going to pick up a, a chip for, you know, five or six or seven or 10 years or whatever. It's to shit. It's not about me. It's to show the other guys like, dude, this is what's possible. Yeah. And like, like, look at this. Amen, dude. And that, that's why I wanted to talk about was that I was making close to six figures a year. And this is at like four years sober, but you know what I was lacking was fulfillment, dude. I was realizing like working for someone else felt suffocating and especially working for a fucking addict in their disease was even more suffocating. And I, I could have just stayed comfortable. And like, I made that decision to leave. And it was that, that fucking gut feeling like the, the, the 12 steps, like they talk about, like you'll intuitively like get this, like that, that hunch in your gut. And like, I just went with it. And it, I had trusted it before. It's never let me down. And I got that gut feeling and it was so strong and I tried to shove it away, but you're right. Like I wasn't fulfilled. The money I was making was good. I was kind of at the top end of what I could do. And what's crazy, like, and I mean this, like it wasn't about money because I understood I was going to have to eat shit for that first year and a half. Like I made less money that first year than I was making and just pouring everything back into the business. But I wanted fulfillment and I didn't want to be just okay. Like you said, like I didn't get sober to have a fucking mediocre life or a mediocre sobriety or a mediocre fucking income. And like, it's not even about the income, but it's crazy when I leave with everything else, like that comes. And like, I wanted to create impact in this world. And part of it was like this guilty conscience of being such a taker my whole life. I just took and took and took. And I was like, man, I have a platform here. I can start this. I can get other coaches. I'm only one man. I can only help so many people. But together, if we can create this fucking community and like really help a lot of people, like that's what I want. Like, that's the kind of legacy I want. And I wasn't going to do that at the place I was at. So I walked through that fear, man. And uh, I decided to, to fucking take it. And recovery taught me how to do that. Like, the principles I've learned in recovery is what taught me how to do that. Yeah, no, I'm sure, man. And, and there had to have been a ton of, of spiritual growth there for sure. Just in, in going through all of that. And man, as, as you're sharing this, like, I've got to say, like, I'm just having a, a major revelation for myself. You know, I've never thought about uh, what it is that I do, you know, coaching guys and trying to make an impact. And um, 
I think a big part of that for me, and I've never thought of it this way, is because, man, I, I was definitely the taker too. I was always taking. I, I, was, I was never giving back. And, and I think that it sounds like what you're doing is, is absolutely a, a great uh, avenue to, to do just that. And I really love that, man. So, you know, we're talking about all this, this fear and everything and how we can get wrapped up in this stuff. And it can really prevent us from, you know, living our, our most successful life in sobriety. Because let me just say that one of the things that I really believe is that it, you're right, it's, it's not about the money, right? But at the same time, in my mind, if I don't, if I don't create a life that is, that's happy and successful, and I do have purpose, and I do feel fulfilled to some degree, then man, I'm probably not going to be motivated to stay sober. Like why, why get sober if it's going to fucking suck, right? You know, that's, and, and I, I think that's exactly what, what you were just saying. So, you know, I'd like to, I, I would almost guarantee that, that there's at least one guy listening right now that wants to start a business, is passionate about something or has a great idea, but thinks it might be too hard or, or maybe it, maybe he thinks it just isn't realistic to go out on his own. What would you say to this guy? Um, man, I think that our fucking heads try to tell us that shit. And if somebody's listening to this podcast, they're probably just like me and you. So I'm going to talk to that person, not the guy, not alcoholic or addict. We all know it's like K fuck radio up here, dude. It just goes on and it's like quickly, like all, you know, and I, I, I would tell that guy, learn to listen to your gut. Like your head, my head, it's like you, I call it K-Fuck Radio. It's like, you suck. You're the worst. You can't do this. Like, blah, blah, blah. Or it tells me I'm the best, one of the two. And I think if you have that strong gut feeling, and this is coming from a guy who had no formal business knowledge. Literally, I said the only thing I knew about business was from following Gary Vee, watching Shark Tank, and then being a dope fiend and a drug dealer and addict. It's the only things I knew. And I made so many mistakes and I learned to embrace those losses. And I couldn't deny the gut feeling was so strong that I put everything in and I had to humble myself to the core. Like I was dating, I was engaged to my wife at the time and I came home and I said, Hey, like I got to put everything I've in savings into this. Can you flip, can you carry the bills for a couple months? And that was super like humbling for me. And there was some embarrassment there. Oh, yeah. And she, of course, like said, yes. And, and I'm so grateful for that. The guy that's listening that if you have the strong enough desire and listen, if you're like, that would be cool to start a business, but you don't have that burning gut feeling. You don't have that passion inside that like, fuck, I'm not living on purpose. I'm not living on fulfillment. Then don't do it because you'll probably fail. But if you have that so strong and you're like, I want to do this, like, this is what I want to do. You have to put all your chips in and just go. Like, just go. I mean, I wish I could say anything more uh, insightful than that, but it's either, it's the acronym. It's either face everything and recover. And for me, it was face everything and succeed or fuck everything and run. So. I like that. Yeah, yeah. Two, two sides there. Now, I, I really like, and, and I'm with you 100%. Like, you just have to put yourself out there. You know, I think, you know, when we relate it back to recovery, you know, my thought is just like, man, I've come this far. Like my higher powers brought me this far. Like I'd like to think that, you know, I'm probably not just going to get dropped on my ass now. Right. And, but at the same time, I really like how you said, because look, let's be real about it. Like 
probably every guy listening to this to some degree would like to have a business like who the fuck wouldn't like to work for themselves and and maybe you know like to make a little more money and and be their own boss but it's like man it takes a certain kind of person if you're kind of wishy-washy about it you're not really sure uh you're kind of half in half out yeah i i really appreciate you saying like and you're and you're not willing to eat some shit at some point and and fuck up a bit, then maybe this isn't for you. I I really appreciate you saying that because that's real, man. That's very real. It's just like getting sober. It's like I it I wanted seventy five percent to get sober, all those times, but not a hundred. I mean, like, and it just didn't work out. Like I was like, uh, like I really want to, but when when the rubber met the road, like that's when I would always relapse. And I was like, how did this happen? It's like, dude, I was never fully in. So, Mm. and I just think fear, man, I just think fear, like it's such like a a debilitating thing and we all deal with it. Um, But if, if you want this and I was a, I was a, I, I knew nothing, but I knew I wanted this more than anything. And I was like, you know what? If you put half the fucking tenacity into this business that you put in to somehow being a homeless heroin addict with a hundred and fifty dollar a day habit with no fucking job for a year, that was tough. Every morning it was like Groundhog's Day. I would have to hustle again to get my dope, to get well, and then like do whatever I had to do, hustle and shit. It was so much work, and I was like, man. And if anyone's listening to this, if you've been an alcoholic and a drug addict, like no matter what your story is, no matter if you were low bottom like me or you were high bottom, but you were constantly telling lies to everyone, it was so much work. Like put half of that tenacity into starting a business and you'll be successful. Yeah, I, I really love that, man. I think, you know, most of us most of us have heard that, you know, that thought, right? Like in terms of recovery, if I put, you know, most of the time people throw out a percentage, you know, 50% or whatever percent of the effort I was putting into my, you know, using and drinking as I do my recovery, then I'll probably be pretty successful at this. And and I think about that, you know, in, in business terms as well. If I put, you know, the effort I was putting into, you know, getting high and and making it happen and and hustling into my business, uh, then it then it probably will be successful. But you know, I, I think what people need to understand too is that it takes some time to figure out how to really be successful in pointing that mindset in the right direction, right? That's been my experience anyway, is like figuring out how to, figuring out number one, how to point in a direction where I'm doing like legal shit, right? But but also to like really fully benefit from that same hustle now doing something that I'm passionate about or I, I really want to get into, right? Yeah, amen, dude. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so I, th- I think that can be, I, I mean, it's, I don't think it's easy, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's not a- impossible as you're explaining here. So let's say I'm the guy listening right now. You've talked me into it. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to do this. This is what I want to do. I do have that grit. I do have that hustle. I'm, I'm going to go out all out. I'm going to do this thing. Um, what is really the, what, what do you think the first thing, the main thing that I should be focusing on starting out is, is it, is it revenue? Is it providing a, a great service or just making a great product? Is it getting my name out there? What is it I should focus on first? I mean, everything but revenue, honestly. Like, it, I, I really mean this. It sounds so cliche, but lead with impact and like lead with passion and the income will come. 
And it's like, that's been my experience was the less I focus on the fucking money and the more I just put in the work, the money comes. And like, I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a very fortunate, blessed situation right now. But like when I stay connected to this program and connected to God and connected to, to, you know, you know, the fellowship I have around me here in Utah, like, I just, it's such a blessing that I just don't like, it's easy for someone who's not broke to say, I don't care about money. I understand that. Like, but I just, I don't like, because if I leave with those things, you have to have, you have to have a, either if it's a product or a service, like make that so undeniably good first. So many people worry about marketing something before they even have something super solid, or they're worried about how much money they're going to make off a product that's not even quite finished yet. No, like make the product or the service, whatever you're doing, so fucking undeniably good. Then start looking at how do I market this correctly? Who's my target market? Who am I trying to get? You asked me, I'm sorry, and I went on a tangent. I do that a lot, but like how many clients we have at Key Nutrition? So we have about, I didn't check the numbers recently, but anywhere between 350 and 400 on a monthly basis. And I have nine other coaches that work for me. I have three full-time staff members, including my sister who runs all the day-to-day operations and um, She's operations manager and she makes a decent salary a year. Like all this has come. And what I found too was I wanted to put out such a good service that we can separate ourselves from anybody else in the Valley. And that, that's why people come to key nutrition because of my recovery background. It's so much more than we do as nutrition. Like almost every one of our clients starts doing a morning routine. And like, I got that off page 86 and 87 out of the big book. Like that, like I learned about a morning routine in recovery. And it turns out like normal people do morning routines too that aren't alcoholic, but that's where it was fundamentally like just instilled in me. And so I started seeing like, how can we have differentiating factors? All these other nutrition, there's other places just like me right around the corner even. And I'm like, they're just like a glorified Weight Watchers. They're just giving meal plans. They're not teaching people macros. They're not, they're not talking about like, why can't you adhere to your nutrition plan? Oh, it's because you have chaos in your life. You're not ever meditating. Like, Every one of our clients gets the spiel on self-development and itself, like work on themselves because that's the main issue. So to answer your question, start identifying like what, like your product or service, make it so good before you try to start marketing something that's broke. And you're always going to have tweaks you're going to fix, but don't worry about like, obviously, yes, you have to have a plan in mind with, with finances. But I think for guys like us, we can get so myopically focused on that that we lose sight of just how blessed we are. Like if you're doing what you love. And for me, I'm, I'm a guy that like, I've been presented with other opportunities. I won't get involved in anything I'm not passionate about because then it strictly becomes about money and my ego creeps up. So for me, this is just for me. I can't expect if someone make, knows how to make fucking, you know, skateboards really well and they want to start that, but they're not passionate about it, like, I'm not saying to not start a skateboard company or whatever it is. But for me, because I was so passionate like about what we were doing and my mission and message, that it became easy to start marketing it because it was so authentic. You know, I've looked at your page and like, dude, you clearly love what recovery has done for your life. It comes out in your page. Like you probably don't have to try hard to market that, you know? So that probably didn't answer your question, but <laughs> no, no, it did, man. I mean, n- number one, so j- just to touch on what you're touching on right there, it's in my mind, it's really get the message down, right? And, and figure, out, figure out who you want to work with, 
you know, get really good at whatever it is you're, you're giving them and, and get that message down too. But I, I think you're right, you know, and I, I made this mistake uh, in the past, you know, I would get wrapped up in like, you know, what I was putting on social media or, or whatever. And it's like, dude, the, the coaching isn't 100% yet, or, or the, the product that you're selling isn't 100% yet. Like you, you need to get that down first. Like that's the real focus. That was for me. Um, so I, I'm absolutely with you on that. And that did answer the question. Good. Yeah. I go off on tangents, but absolutely. And, and within that, you said something that I think too, like once you have whatever you want to do, I think there's so much fear mongering that goes on with what people, and I'm guilty of it. When I post something, how many likes did I get? How many comments? And like, it's like, man, like the algorithm so fucked anyways, it might've been the greatest post ever. And people just didn't see it. It's the wrong time of day. I hired a social media consultant and she's giving me a headache. I'm like, this is so much to remember and like 30 hashtags, no more, no less. And for me, I just have to be authentic and not care. Like if you feel good about what you're putting out, it doesn't matter if one person likes it or like, you know that you're marketing your service in a way that like, I feel good about. And I've put some shit on social media where I've second guessed myself and I'm like, dude, stop, stop hearing what people think like that's my message and that's the only one I got like that's what's authentic to me yeah absolutely no man I I love that like being true to you and and really once again like this podcast and and a lot of me you know putting my recovery out there and stuff man it's really for me it was a big evolution in me taking the fucking mask off dude being true to who I am like this is who I am you know it's like my dad listened to, uh, you know, he heard me like on Facebook, like on this guy's Facebook live telling my story a while back. And he's like, you know, great story, but, uh, what's with all the fucks. <laughs> and I'm like, man, that's just kind of when I'm passionate about something like that's just how I speak, you know? And if someone doesn't want to like hire me because of that or, or whatever, then, that's not the guy I want to work with. And that's okay. And I have to be okay with that and, and keep it moving. You know, that's, that's, that's fine. So um, yeah, but, but being true to who you are. And I think the other thing that I've really been keeping in the, the forefront of my mind, definitely in 2019 is just this phrase, imperfect action, mm-hmm. like just acting. Because man, for me, like, I didn't think I was a perfectionist, but when I came in into recovery, I kind of saw that like, well, man, like, yeah, my thinking is if it's not perfect, then why even fucking do it? You know, dude, it, you get that, uh, that paralysis by analysis. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I laugh, I laugh when you're telling a story about your dad, because I, I never forget, I took my parents to, they came and watched me get um, my, my one year chip. And I got up there and, and you know, I, I don't normally cuss in front of my dad, but I just was sharing and I end up saying fuck a lot when I'm passionate. Like, yeah. And he was like, Oh, that was some strong language. And I'm like, dad, and he goes, but you know what? I'm proud of you. Like you're sober. And if that's how you talk, if that's the worst you do, I can live with that. Yeah. And you're right, man. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I put out on my Instagram story. How many of you guys care about swearing? And I got about 200 responses on this poll. And it was like 171 said swear away and 29 said, yes, it helps to keep it clean. And because I've been trying to keep it cleaner, so it has more shareability, but I've been losing some authenticity. 
And what's funny was that's such, it was like 86%, right? But in my head, I was like, well, I don't want to lose those 29 listeners. So maybe I should keep like saying heck and shoot. And <laughs> I was like, man, like yeah. if I lose them, they were probably never meant to be like in my tribe anyways. Cause it's, I, I don't always swear, but when I talk, I, I think authenticity, man, is just so missed. And like, I love that, you know, sharing your story, you take that mask off, it's vulnerability. And like, we're it taught is. to be, you know, the, the serenity prayer at the end says the courage to change the things I can't. But yet as men, we're, we're taught. So be courageous, but don't tell everyone what's really going on. Like, ooh, mm -hmm. don't tell that. That's like, that's really too much. You don't want to go there. And that's how I was kind of raised. And that's no fault of my father that's just all i knew was like be a courageous man but don't tell all your shit that's going on like you want to you want to be the protector and for me being so open about my sobriety on on instagram has been for me just not using vulnerability but actually just being vulnerable because i want to give a message of hope and like recovery and it was funny you know i I started, I started this Instagram and it's the sober bodybuilder. So it's, I was bodybuilder back then. I'm not anymore, but I'm still sober. And I was all about my recovery, posting shit that just was like, I was a year sober and it just, I look back and I shake my head. But I remember I stopped using it for a while because I had all of a sudden gotten a nice car. And like, I had a position where I saw a lot of people and took a decent amount of money from them. And like, I was like, I got in this place where all of a sudden, like, I was like, well, that's my recovery and that's separate. And some people have to do that when they're in a corporate job. But I had this awakening. I'm like, dude, you have a message to share. And like, this is who you are. Recovery is the forefront of your life. You need to be authentic. You acting like to this crowd, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just a good business guy. And this is what I, and about this crowd, I'm an alcoholic. And I tell all my stories. So for me, it worked to be super authentic. And I thought during that, I thought, man, if I end up like Macklemore, who was so open to his recovery and then relapsed, I'm like, ah, oh, like, and I'm like, who fucking cares? Like, just be you. And for me, I like to talk about recovery a lot, like recovery and then health and fitness. Those are like my jams, dude. I would talk for hours like this. What I love. So that's another thing, but the guy listened to it. Be authentically you. And sometimes that takes being vulnerable. And through vulnerability, I learned to actually have courage. And part of that courage is just not fucking caring what I put out there. This is my story. This is what I got. This is who I am. Yeah, I'm a convicted felon. Yeah, I used to, I used to tell some of my clients, well, I'm in recovery. I, I just used to drink a little. And now I'm like, oh, yeah, like I drank all your liquor and did dope and did this. I probably robbed your garage. But the good news is i today, you, you know? And like, it's just such freedom and not having to kind of be honest. Like, I'm just, this is who I am. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, lo I love that. Well, and it's, you know, I, I think especially when once again, like, you know, it, it's not, he, here's my thing is sometimes I get caught up and I think like, man, you know, I have a pretty good life and I can, I confuse that with ego, but like, it's like objectively, like someone would look at my life, like, especially a guy new in recovery. And he'd say like, man, that's a fucking awesome life. Like, I kind of think about it like it, you know, if I was a new guy coming into recovery and I saw the me now, um, number one, like, like you said in the beginning of this interview, like I, I would have never thought that I, I would have the life, uh, that I have today. You know, it just wasn't even, my mind wasn't even capable of, of conceiving it at the time. But I, I think that it's important, you know, like when, when you, when you are successful in, in life, 
to share this with other guys and just kind of be like, not a bragging thing, but just like, man, like, look at what's possible. Because going back to what you were talking about, where you had the choice of either staying comfortable and making decent money or going out there and doing something that was true to who you are and making a real impact. And you decided to go out there and make a real impact. Well, the truth is, I think a lot of guys are, are going to take the comfortable route. And, but they're probably not making six figures in the comfortable route, right? Like the, the comfortable route is, and, and I think in my mind, man, when I think about it, like in terms of recovery, comfortable means not growing. And I think that's a dangerous fucking place for a guy like me to be. What I've seen is, and I'm not here to judge anyone else's recovery, but what I've seen is, is that, man, it is imperative that I keep growing, you know, that, that I, that I keep growing and keep finding whatever that next thing is in my life, you know, because when I keep growing, I'm going to be able to impact others more. I'm going to be able to give back to others more and other people around me are going to grow. And that's why I think this is, this is really all about to some degree. Oh, amen. The, the comfortability, like that was never happiness. Like it, it was it, at certain times, it was more comfortable for me to stay in this dope addict life than to actually face the challenges of getting sober. Cause getting sober is fucking hard. Like it's hard. And it's as hard as you want to make it, but it was hard for me. Like it was hard. And that, that comfortability, man, it's, and I'm so grateful that like the longer I've done this deal, like I start embracing when like the shit storms come in my life because I know it's an opportunity for growth. And I don't always think that my first reaction is fuck this. Like, fuck, why me? Why me? Like I'm a victim. But my second thought is much better today, which is, man, like I get to grow. This is super uncomfortable. And it was super uncomfortable to have to ask my wife to, to like help out with the bills. Cause I literally put every dime I had into this, to this business, like every dime. And it was, uh, that was uncomfortable, but through that, not only I grew, we grew together because I saw she was really in this with me. And I was like, this is the girl I'm going to marry. And she didn't even hesitate. She was like, I got it. Don't even, I, we got this. We can do it. And so from me being uncomfortable, like not only I grew, we grew together. And you'd be amazed when you get in uncomfortable spots and you have a tribe of people or a wife or whatever it is to rally around you, you get to get comfortable, you get to grow with them too. And I think so many people get scared of uncomfortability, but man, when you learn to embrace it, like, woof, shit, Scott, this has been a it was a shit day yesterday. There were some things I had to do. I didn't like, I had to reprimand one of my coaches. I don't like that shit. Still. I haven't grown into that where I'm like, yeah, I lit them up and I, I didn't like it. It didn't feel comfortable, but I was like, this is where you grow, bro. This is where you walk into that. You got God on your side. Like, like, and I'm so grateful for recovery for teaching me that. And I did, I felt better after. And I felt like I handled it better than the last time. And too many people get scared. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you on that. So, man, this has been a, a really awesome interview. And I, I'm just going to say, it, man, I'd love to have you back on at some point because we didn't get to dip into the nutrition much and, and nerd out there on the training or anything. And, Dude, I'm and we, sorry, I get going on. I just, bro, I fucking love recovery. Like, I can't yeah. tell you, like, this wasn't supposed to be my story. Like, and I, I'm in, I'm just, I just am so passionate about like what recovery and the tools that I learned along the way. Like 
I got sober to stop shooting dope and living on the streets. That was it. Yeah. And then they gave me this roadmap to life. And I figured wow. out how to be a better husband, how to be a better business owner, how to be a better friend, you know, how to communicate correctly, how to not take things personal, you know, how to find a relationship with a higher power. And through that, like it's opened up my eyes to just so much. Like I got, I, there's so many gifts I could keep. So sorry if I, I didn't get into the nutrition, but like it's no. beautiful, man. No, man, don't. I mean, because this is really what I wanted to uh, what I wanted to concentrate on, you know, and there and there's so many parallels between business and recovery, you know, that I that I think it's just a, a really cool thing. And I definitely appreciate you filling us in on just, yeah, your story, this awesome business that you've created. But I, I do before we wrap up here. OK, I'm going to hit you with three rapid fire recovery questions. OK, I'm going to hit you with the question. No overthinking. You're, you're just going to give it to me right out of the gate here, okay? So number one, one nutrition tip for guys in recovery. Uh, there's some, learn how to track. I mean, start tracking your food. Have awareness around what you're eating. Like, you don't have to be a whiz with my fitness pal. It's fucking free. Just download it. Like, just start inputting and have an idea of where you're at, like, how, just ha start having awareness around how many calories. And really, even before that, like the precursor to that would be start maximizing your sleep and drinking water and try to maximize movement. I know those aren't nutrition tips, but it's almost like the precursor. Like it's the things that pe the least sexy part about any of this. But I think, I think without overthinking it, dude, first step is just start having an awareness around how much calories you're actually consuming. Yeah. No, that that's huge, man. And so within the Recover You coaching program, that's like basically the the way I think about this is is look, we are, man. I, I I'm just gonna say like you're one of the uh, you, you're kind of like a freak of nature in the sense that like most guys I know were not getting high and hitting the gym like you were. You know? <laughs> <Dude>. uh, <laughs> so most of us come into this and we're super undisciplined, right? We have no discipline. We don't know, we've been turning a blind eye to like all the, all the shit we're putting in our body, right? And it's like, man, let me get some discipline. Let me look at the facts, almost like an inventory, right? Of, of what it is I'm putting in my body. And, and, and I'm with you 100%. I think tra tracking your food and getting a good understanding of what you're putting in your body uh, is huge, is huge. Yeah, man. And I have to say, dude, before I forgive, I always was going to say at the end of the podcast, but I absolutely love what you're doing, dude. Like that, that is something that like, I just love it, man, because recovery for me, obviously you have your foundation principles, but I believe it's a bar stool of, of this mind, body, spirit. And so many people I, I, I see with 20 years sobriety yet, they're a hundred pounds overweight. They can't breathe walking up the stairs. And I don't care what they fucking try to share at the meeting, like they're miserable in certain aspects of their life. And I, and obviously I, when I, there's days where I have the, ba the bar so balancing perfect. And I'm like, hell yeah. But yeah. a lot of days where it's not, but I, I just feel like it's so much more than there's so much. And as, as the longer you get sober, you start realizing this. So for you to implant that early on, like it's just beautiful, dude. I love what you're doing, man. Like I, so many people fucking treat their bodies like shit when they get sober and then they wonder why they still feel like shit or, you know, they gained 30 pounds of fat cause they were under eating. And then they start stuffing everything in their face. 
and then they're four months sober and they're miserable and they're going to the pool and they can't take their shirt off because they're embarrassed what people are going to think and it's like no like you're still hiding in guilt and shame it just looks different and i'm not saying that guy can't stay sober but how free do you want to be yeah no man i've always loved that question how free do you want to be and and what you're pointing out here man is something that i think is so so it, it's so important. It's exactly what I saw. I, I'm in agreement with you 100% because I came into recovery and man, I was totally out of shape. Like I had never been in the gym before. And, and one of my dreams was to get in shape. And, and I came in and I saw these guys and, and I, I saw some guys that just like what you're describing, man, like maybe they had been sober for 10 years, but they had fucking diabetes. Like they, they were smoking like a chimney. And I'm just like, man, you know, I just survived death. Like, what is this? Seems so backwards. You know, the, the, so I'm with you, man. The the body re recovery of the body really needs to be part of the equation here because, like you're talking about, if I've got zero energy, I've got low fucking confidence, man. I'm not gonna want to go do this recovery thing. I'm not gonna want to go meet a bunch of guys I don't know. I'm not gonna want to get out of my comfort zone. Right. It's going to affect my recovery. It's going to affect my life in the long run. So I, I'm with you 100%. So back to the answer there. Okay. So one nutrition uh, tip for guys in recovery would be tracking your food. And I think that's a really good one. So number two here, if you had to pick one thing that a guy must do in order to stay sober and have quality recovery, what would it be? This isn't a suggestion. You have to do this thing or else. Develop a relationship with a higher power, whatever that is to you. One million. Yeah. Like, if you miss the spiritual part of the program, you miss the whole program. I love that. All, yeah. All in the text. Like you, you have to, like, I don't believe that anyone's truly, a, I actually sponsored a guy who was atheist. He definitely believed um, in something. And like, we finally kind of uncovered that. So, and for him, he didn't call it God. He was, didn't believe in God, but there was a spiritual being. And, and so you have to like you just it, it's just not optional in my opinion like you don't get to like believe not have a relationship with some kind of higher power and, and i don't care what that is to you yeah yeah exactly it doesn't matter right like it doesn't matter what it is but you need to have a relationship with it i'm with you 100 percent there okay so number three final question here what is your favorite recovery saying your favorite one-liner so there's you know first things first keep it simple keep coming back different things like that what would you say your favorite one-liner is oh man i'm trying to answer them quick here uh one of my favorite one-liners that's not really like a positive recovery message but is that what i said already was it gets worse never better because i believe that's the truth it gets worse never better I, I just believe that if you're alcoholic like me, it'll get worse and it will never get better. But, um, you know, another one I really like was, you know, we don't shoot our wounded. And like, I wasn't, you know, there were some dickheads, but that's, that's personalities over principles. But for the most part, I mean, I was the guy in and out of 12 step rooms for five, six years. Hmm. And I was always treated with love and I was always treated with compassion. And, uh, and because of that, that night when I got out of jail, I felt comfortable to go to that meeting because I knew that, you know, and I had my own embarrassment, but I knew they were going to show me love and they did. They showed me so much love. And so like, we don't shoot our wounded. And, and you know, some of my friends in recovery that have seen me in and out, they, they showed me love in a very stern way and said, dude, you're going to fucking kill yourself. Yeah. Like, 
but they showed me love. So we don't shoot our wounded. Yeah, man, that that's so important. And I mean, if there is a guy right now that's that's struggling and and has been kind of going in and out, you know, keep coming back. Absolutely. But man, we would rather you just stay. Yeah. Stick around, you know, because I, I think, you know, man, and this is one of the reasons I'd really love to have you back on because there's so much we could talk about here. But you know, I think relapse is talked about pretty nonchalantly these days. And the reality is, is just like the guy you used to work for, man, maybe one of those times you go out and you don't come back, like you're not always going to get this second chance. You know, we're just, we're just not, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. We see it all the time, man. And it's, it's, it is talked about like, well, you know, and, and I just had a sponsor, you got a year and he's out hard and, you know, and uh, I, I pray for him because I hope he can make it back. Yeah, he went out for a night, night or two, on a crack binge, and came back pretty quick. And I think because of that, he thought he could do it again. And it's been two months, and no one's heard from him. And and it is, you know, it's so much easier just to stay. And I, I had some. I'll leave, leave you with this. I had somebody sharing a meeting what I really liked, and he said, "You know, what are my other options? To go out there, and then what?" come back because that's what we do we all come back if we're lucky enough to make it so yeah. what's the point of going back out because i know where i'm going to end up back here and it's right in the seat like if i'm lucky enough to so like why even go out because we all know where we're going to come back to is recovery eventually if we can make it back yeah and if is a really strong thing so you know that uh, yeah that was a, those were good questions you got me thinking yeah, that's good stuff, man. Well, hey, Brad, thanks again, man, for coming on. I'd really love to have you back on. I mean, not just to hop into the the nutrition and, and training stuff a little bit more, but definitely more uh, into recovery because there's just so much that we could we could dive into here. And I would um, love to come back on and talk about what health and fitness has done for my recovery personally and what I've seen. I, you know, when I first got sober, I worked with so many people in the program. Yeah. One new, right? And so I was giving everyone discounts. I just wanted to see people and create impact. And I saw what it did for their lives. And I'd love to come back on and share some tips about like different strategies because some people overcomplicate it. And some people, it was just simply like, you know, 30 minutes at the gym three times a week. I'm like, you oh, yeah. want to have like, yeah. don't overthink this. You don't have to go five times a week. You don't got to. No. And so I would love anytime you want, man, dude, I consider you a friend now. So anytime I'd love to. Hell yeah. Awesome, man. Awesome. Well, uh, if you guys listening want to connect with Brad, you can follow him on Instagram. As he mentioned, it's at the sober bodybuilder. You can get more information about key nutrition at keynutrition.com. And also be sure to check out the key nutrition podcast as well for uh, a ton of great info on nutrition and training. Again, whether you're listening on Spotify, Apple Music, or even watching on YouTube, please share this with your brothers in recovery. Uh, share this with your friends. Follow, subscribe, and leave a review. You can find all the info on the show in the show notes at thesobrietyblueprint.com slash podcast. If you want to ensure that you're living your happiest, healthiest, and most successful life, as the man you were meant to be, then you can learn more about the Recover You coaching program at recoveryou.net. And guys, until next time, keep thriving in your recovery and life, and I'll talk to you soon.